Joe Louis Walker is one of the greatest bluesmen of his generation. He is a four-time Blues Music Award winner and a 2013 Blues Hall of Fame inductee who has appeared on multiple Grammy-winning albums. He is known worldwide as one of the genre's top musical trailblazers, a mesmerizing guitarist and a soul-testifying vocalist. I caught up with Joe from his home in New York to talk about his upcoming album, Eclectic Electric, an 11-track album comprised partly of originals but also finds Joe applying his watermark to some classics including the Eagles Hotel California, the Rolling Stones Make No Mistake and Muddy Waters Two Trains Running. Uh, you've been back out on the road, you've done a few shows. What's it like, Joe, to, start to play uh, live again? Well, it's... It's it's, not, it's kind of bittersweet because... Um, uh, because of the... Um, the uh the uh um the pandemic um everywhere you go every place has different rules and regulations mm -hmm. so some places may you may need to be vaccinated some places you may not some places you may need to have a proof of uh of of being uh, uh, uh of of testing 72 hours ahead of time and then you get the dynamic where you know the people get inside and then people are going to want to have a good time so some people will pull their mask off, some undone their mask off, and sometimes people don't understand each other's position. And it's 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 a, it's a strange situation to be honest. Yeah, but it, it must have felt good to be back on stage at least, right? After oh yeah, and it, two years. Yeah, it felt, yeah, yes, it felt good to get the energy back from the people and back and forth. I've, I've been recording a lot of stuff, different mm -hmm. projects, but it's nothing like playing for people. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, anyway, Joe, the new album, um, uh, Eclectic, Electric, great album. I've enjoyed listening to it. Um, can you talk a little bit about how the album came together? Yes. Um, this is my 30th album uh, mm -hmm. since coming back from playing gospel. I played nothing but gospel music from 75 to 85, and then I came back to blues, 85. And this is my 30th album under my name. And I, I, what I did, I asked friends. Uh, I asked friends who in the business. I asked um, fellow musicians. I asked family members. I asked uh, DJs that I like, like you. I said, man, what do you, you know, what do you hear me doing? You know, what, 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 do, what do you think? Say, you know. And everybody would send me their opinion. But one thing that uh, a thread ran through it, and uh, I would get a thing from uh, my, 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 my grandniece and it would say, hey, you know, Uncle Joe, I like when you, your version when you did uh, that, that Beatles song, um, While My Guitar Gently Weeps, for a compilation. Mm -hmm. And another, another uh, family member would say, I like what you did when you did the, um, uh, 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 um, uh, Nick Lowe's uh, tribute song, uh, What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding. So what I did, um, I just took a bunch of requests and I looked and seen, uh, 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 and I look I, what I look for in a, in a cover song is somebody that I may have a personal catch with, a personal relation. So when they when they did World, when they showed me World Wolves in London, that was cool because me and Wadi Wattel, uh, it's like my brother. Okay, so when I, I played it for Wadi, I, I played it for him, and he said, "Oh, that's great." So then he put his guitar part on it, so that, that sort of solidified it. And it's the same with the song. All she wants to do is dance. Because Danny Kochmore is like my buddy too, and mm -hmm. he's in the same band with Wadi. But Danny couldn't play on the record because um, uh, because of the pandemic, things got really 
strange here in, in America. You couldn't travel. You could, and uh, the, the 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 um the other one, the other cover was uh was done a, a couple of years ago for the last record, Blues Coming On, but it didn't make the cut. And that cover was a Make No Mistake uh, by uh, uh, Keith this, Richards. This, right? Yeah, yeah, and and, and I'd asked him. I, I said, well, you know, can I do the song? And he said, well, you know, Joe, just make it your own. Just make it yours, Joe. <laughs> and Steve, uh, Steve, um, uh, uh, the drummer who wrote with him, Steve Jordan was very kind. And so that worked, that worked out. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, when I when I looked at the names of the songs before I listened to the album, I looked at the names of the songs and I saw Hotel California and I saw um, you know, I saw Make No Mistake and Two Trains Running and stuff. And I thought it would be a radical reinvention of the song, right? I was pleasantly <clears throat> surprised when I heard that you were very you were very gentle with the song. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously, it's still recognizable. So there's, you know, you're still true to the original in a sense. So what was the philosophy you kind of adhered to while you were doing these covers? Well, with, with, with to funk it up, to bluesify it up and to uh with with Wadi's song with 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 with, with uh Werewolves, we just wanted to make it super funky. Mm -hmm. You know, and then have the, the have the funky guitar and and then have Wadi's rock and slide and have that juxtaposition with with um with uh all she wants to do is dance. I wanted to put some horns in there. I, I really wanted to make it like a horn stance band. You know, uh I, I don't I didn't you know, I, I, I didn't want to put a, a whole bunch of singing, screaming background singers on it and all that. I, it didn't need that to me. And, and, and with Hotel California, I wanted to, we wanted to give it a, a little bit of a reggae, funky um, uh, 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 feeling to it. And, um, and, and make it more about the story other than the guitar army thing they do at the end, the big guitar thing. You can't, we can do that no better. You can't do it no better than Joe Washington did it. So what we wanted to do was to accentuate the story because mm -hmm. if you're from California and you're a musician, you've been to a hotel in California. Yeah. Okay. So I've, I've been to hotels where we, where we get at the gigs over at two at night. We get in the hotel at three. There's nobody at the desk, but there's a wise guy in the corner saying, yeah, dude, you can check in, but you can't check out. <laughs> you know, just really, and you're looking like, hey, is that guy serious? Well, it, well, and then somebody comes and they show you a room and you look around the room and there's no mirrors, none. And then your buddy taps you on the chest and says, look up. And there's mirrors all up there. And you say, oh, I know what this room's for. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it's that, that it, that's what I was trying to bring out. Yeah, because that's exactly what I got out of the song that it was subdued to the point where you don't really notice what's going on, but you can feel what's going on. I wanted, I, wanted, I, I prefer to have nuance in mm -hmm. what I do. Um, there's, there's a million and one guitar players that are knocking you over the head every minute with a bunch of notes and, and boom. And I, that's I, I, I'm 70. I'll be 72 years old in, on Christmas Day, you know, and I look at it like it's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. I don't have to bowl people over, although I, I more power to anybody that can do it, and you know, become famous and all that stuff. 
but it's just uh, I like to have people, um, you know, say, hey, you know, hey, Joe did something different with that or Joe, you know, uh, showed another side of, of something. Yeah, because what I found fascinating as a as a as a layperson, uh, what I found fascinating, what I was trying to understand was the process of, um, you know, adding something to these covers, right? How do you strip away stuff, keep something, some part of it that's true to the original and then add more color and rhythm to it, right? So is that the kind of way to approach it, that maybe the baseline is true to the original and then you leave room around it to add stuff to the song? Yeah, yeah. And that's what you do when you look for an arrangement. You know, you 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 spend a day or two saying, "Hey, let's try it like this with the bass line. Let's try it like this with the with the drums. Let's try it with the drums and the bass. Let's try it right there. Let's leave the backgrounds out. Let's leave all this guitar out. Let's put, let's put something else." You know, so you you try. That's where the arrangement comes in, mm -hmm. and, and yeah. So is this like is this album like a part two to Blues Coming On? I mean, Blues Coming On was also a collaborative effort, right? You had. Um, uh, Kebmo, you had Eric Gales, you had all of these guys. So is this like a part two to that? Well, it actually, Blues Coming On was supposed to be a double album. All these songs that you listen to now were supposed to be on Blues Coming On, but we came to the conclusion, mm -hmm. the, the president of the record company, my manager, my, everybody, my wife, that people nowadays do not have the attention span to listen to a two-album record. Yeah. You know, they barely have attention span to listen to a 99-cent single. So um, we figured, no, let's just cut it in half. Let's just do it and, and, and you know, uh, make it two records. Yeah, but that's interesting that, that you say that, right? Because um, you'd think that, uh, you know, the attention span in today's era of streaming, I mean, people don't listen to stuff more than a, like maybe two, two and a half, three minutes. But back in the day in the 60s as well for radio, I remember Susie Q, one of the, I was speaking to Doug Clifford a few weeks ago. And I think the original version of Suzy Q was seven or nine minutes or something like that. And uh, I can't remember if that went on radio like that, right? Yeah, well, you know, it, it went on radio because it went on radio where I lived at in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't, wasn't for us in San Francisco, all the radio stations would still be playing songs by the monkeys for two minutes and 30 seconds. Yeah. We just made it. We just said, forget it. And all the DJs walked out. And, and they said, unless we get to play the songs we want to play, how long we want to play them, we're leaving. And they left and they went instead of the AM dial, they went to the FM. And the first big hit was Susie Q from uh, uh, Creed's Clearwater. Yeah. But uh, tell me, Joe, what, what is it like for you to collaborate with all of these people? I ask because I remember reading uh, an interview with Howling Wolf. I think it was an interview he did in 67, where he famously said that, you know, Muddy Waters never really liked uh, playing with anybody because he was just jealous of people who played better than him. Um, you know, um, so so how is it for you to collaborate with all of these these great the great people? What What is the kind of mindset? Is there a sense of competition at all? Or what's that like? You know, uh, I, I got to say something. You know, I knew Muddy Waters and I knew Howlin' Wolf. Yeah. And, you know, I, number one, I don't believe Wolf ever said that. <laughs> Num number one, you know, and and, and, and number two, it, it, if he did, he must have been talking about another Muddy Waters. Muddy Waters, um, so many great musicians came out of Muddy Waters bands that Muddy yeah. nurtured, including Lil Walker, uh, uh, James Cotton, uh, 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 Buddy Guy, uh, uh, Junior Wells, 
uh, Muddy would would nurture everybody, including me. He nurtured me, so yeah. I don't believe that. I, and I don't believe Holland Wolf said that. I just believe sometimes people say things and then they just say them, and and, and nobody's here to say to speak up. But mm -hmm. to get back to your original question, um, when I collaborate with these people, what I do is I'll go somewhere and write songs in 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 with them in mind, or I, I'll pick out material with them in mind, with them in mind, and then I, I'll get together with them and, and I'll send a little demo, you know, a little voice memo, and we'll go back and forth and we'll talk, and, and or, or sometimes I I might have the whole song done and send it to them or whatever, but I, I listen to all their input. And um, since I'm a fan of theirs, I, I tried to, to choose a song that would accentuate the the, the, the best in, in what they do. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I don't look to be the star. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have to be the star in everything. Really, I don't. And if I, I take more joy in singing a duet with Mitch Ryder or singing a duet with Dion or singing a duet with Carla Cook's, Sam Cook's daughter or yeah. singing a duet with, with, with John Sebastian. I have more fun doing that than I do doing my own thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And tell me, Joe, when you write, uh, what what comes first? Is it the music or the lyrics? How do you write? What is your process of writing? Well, it's it's no it's no real rhyme or reason. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes the music will come to you in the middle of the night. Sometimes someone will say something and, and, it, and it'll, it'll um, pique your interest and you'll write it down. You know, uh, some one must say something catchy, and you pick it down, and then you you know, next thing you know, you've got all these little things written down, and then you'll have uh, all bits and pieces of music, mm -hmm. and sometimes it'll get together, sometimes it won't, and sometimes something will come to you in your sleep, you know, as a whole song, mm -hmm. you know, and you say, did I really dream that, or did, did I? I don't want to take it off somebody else's song, and so, mm -hmm. and that's happened a lot, you know. To a lot of, to a lot of people so there's no rhyme or reason to it mm -hmm. how does uh you know you said earlier you you know this you're 30 albums old essentially how does one remain relevant through the length of a career that's as long as yours joe i mean obviously times have changed fan your fan base has changed uh, you know newer interests younger artists um, how, how do you stay relevant and how do you bring in a fresh perspective um, to the music? Well, um, number one, I, I, I listen to other bands. I listen to young people. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I, I'm known for blues, but I, I play all kind of music. I, I've played uh, 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 jazz. I've played funk. I've played rock yeah. and roll. I've played this, that, and the other. And so I'm not, I'm not adverse into getting getting together with uh with uh, someone else from another genre and, and writing and, and 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 taking a little bit out of what he's doing and you can take a little bit out of what i'm doing and we come up with a song or mm -hmm. something i'm not i'm not adverse to that so my, my ears are always open mm -hmm. and my heart's always open and my mm -hmm. mind's always open yeah you know historically uh uh joe one of the major themes of the blues has been, you know, freedom music, and it's served as essentially a voice uh, of the people. Um, what do you think the value is in today's scenario when we are experiencing a lot of these same things, right? What is the value of blues music in today's scenario? Um, um, the, the value as it, as it uh, relates to the sign of the times and what's 
what's going on in the world. Is what yeah. You're saying. Yeah. Well, um, the blues music, as you said, it, you know, um, it 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 came out of uh, um, hard harsh circumstances. Yeah. Um, and um, those circumstances have not went away. And so when you when when any number of things happen that uh, the powers that be, you know, they um, treat treat people unfairly, um, uh, don't treat people evenly, uh, hurt people, uh, as we've seen on TV. This, the blues can become a conduit. It can become a a, a voice. Uh, mm -hmm. if, if you put that in there, um, uh, you know, if, if you're talking about America, it gets tricky because America has um, blues, uh, uh, a lot of uh, black blues artists, but the, but the fan base is white. OK, so you have I, I think just to be quite honest, you'd have to be honest not to alienate your fan base. <laughs> I'm just talking, talking turkey. You're talking yeah, real now. Yeah, yeah. You got to be not to alienate your fan base, but in the same token, you got to be true to yourself. And and um, sometimes those two are a, a, a big clash. Sometimes they're they're a big clash. Yeah, because you know um, Kendrick Lamar uh, some time ago had written that song "All Right," which kind of became the anthem for you know Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. Um, I was just wondering, you know, does it make, um, is it maybe time for, uh, you know, it's wrong to say blues musicians, but musicians in general to incorporate a little more uh, political awareness and maybe protest in their music? Um, would it be fair to say that is what I was thinking? Well, there is absolutely nothing wrong with thinking that, and that's the generation that I came out of. Exactly. You know, uh, yeah. so, but as that generation got older <clears throat> and the next generation came in the 70s, it was more about in the 60s, it was more about helping each other. In the 70s, it was more about helping me. In yeah. the in the 80s, it was about me, 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 me. In the 90s, it was about learning a computer and being sedentary by yourself, by mm -hmm. yourself, computers by yourself. And so the twenties, and, and now you, you have these different things going on, and and um, uh, I, I I don't have the answer, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can I can understand, but I want to touch upon something you you spoke about briefly um, about um, you know, do you think blues music is becoming um, very guitar centric today? Because I've heard people say that the upcoming blues artists are, aren't paying enough attention to the roots of the music, right? And uh, then there is, of course, a school of thought that says blues music has become very guitar-driven. Where, where do you stand on that? What do you think? Well, I think, uh, yeah, it, it's um, the 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 if if um, the if you took a picture of blues, if you took three pictures, one was a guy with a guitar, one was a lady with a microphone, and one could be someone with a harmonica or a piano. 
the one with the, the picture with the with the guitar would have if if it was a, a test it would have a thousand hits the lady with the with the with the microphone would maybe have a hundred you know mm -hmm. and, and so guitar is is ingrained in blues mm -hmm. but but what what I, I think what you're saying is 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 it in a way um taking away from the essence of the blues which was a social commentary exactly yeah the blues was a social commentary and every those every one of those social commentaries the guitar took a little bitty solo in the middle and that was it now you have a, a, a successful blues song rock blues rock song goes like this i lost my baby 52 guitar solos i found my baby the end of the song well obviously it comes to this if you don't have if you haven't experienced the trials and tribulations of of, of uh to to put into a song uh to express your situation mm -hmm. then if you don't have it in you you can't take it out you so you can parrot somebody else's music you can sing i got my mojo working like muddy waters but he's singing it about something else you can sing sweet home chicago even though you live in the richest part of montauk new york <laughs> you can sing it and now whether it rings true or not who knows people yeah. don't care nowadays yeah but the, but the, the the essence of 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 the blues now <clears throat> is is uh it's party time it's mm -hmm. party time where where before it was literally you know thinking you know you 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 thought about what was being said now it's it's more like you know they're playing my favorite song let's go get a drink yeah it's a it's a credibility thing also right yeah yes yes yeah, yeah. yeah. it's interesting because i remember uh, reading something that eric clapton had said uh, back in the day when you know he's obviously very heavily influenced by the blues and when i think one of the reasons cream broke up was that he said they were doing all these covers of robert johnson and uh, you know all these blues greats and then doing extended guitar solos and things like that and the audience loved it but somehow he felt very guilty about it and i think he attributed one of the reasons that cream broke up was just because he says he couldn't deal with that guilt yeah well god bless him <laughs> <laughs> god bless him yeah but but you know what one of the hallmarks of your career has been uh, you know you've never been scared to experiment there's a lot of diversity do you feel that you know musicians today need to be more diverse need to experiment a little more with uh, the blues itself well you know i i i found out a long time ago no matter what i think mm -hmm. um it, it um uh, I, i don't want to uh be as facetious as to say someone should do what i think mm -hmm. um but i I I do feel that nowadays that people are because it's so much blues all over the world that people are doing it differently all over the world you know um and, and that's that's a big thing now that people are doing it all differently all over the world mm -hmm. um blues blues has become extremely popular you know especially among young ladies uh with guitars and, and especially a young 
among young young people that that don't want to um you know they they don't the i don't know um they they, they want to to uh express themselves uh with a lineage that you know you if you pick up a guitar and and, and you see chuck berry you pick up a guitar and you see uh pat boone's guitar player who you going to want to be <laughs> yeah you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna yeah. you're just looking at Chuck Berry is gonna fascinate you, and yeah. then just to hear what he does, and then when you see him, the the, the, the deal's done. <laughs> the deal's yeah. done. I defy anybody to go on playing guitar after Chuck Berry. You yeah. Know? <laughs> did you uh, did you watch Chuck Berry growing up? Did I, did I watch him? Did you watch? Yeah. Did you watch him play? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Incredible. You know Joe you spoke earlier about you know you said you gave up the blues in the middle for a bit. Um I know you were very close friends with Mike Bloomfield you were roommates as well. Um was it uh, around the time of his passing that you decided to give up the blues? No, no I I quit before his passing. Mm-hmm. I quit. I left I I left everything. I left Bloomfield's house, I left all my other friends. I left it all. I I just left start playing nothing but gospel in 1975 mm-hmm. with my with my friends and um I just didn't go back to playing secular music um it was too too many things were happening everybody was getting too indulgent a lot of my friends i mean literally my friends who I'd known uh for years um they took their bands and all all of them got signed because of the psychedelic craze Yeah. and all of them got ripped off all of them got ripped off and a majority of them uh not very many of them came out with anything to show for it mm-hmm. so so does uh, gospel music does it has it been like an uh, an underlying uh, theme for you all or all your life has has gospel done that Well, I just listen to all kind of music. You know, I I listen to gospel music. Gospel music is like if blues is my mother tongue, gospel is like my my father tongue because mm-hmm. gospel is that's right there together. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's and, and it's in both of them are steeped in in African American history. Mm-hmm. You know, they mean something else to me and they mean somebody else. Yeah. You know, so uh it, they'll always be in my soul and in my heart. you know and and uh certain things that they can say and certain passages that they can uh that they can uh, refer to that we all know we all think about we all you know we all take solace in and um you know it's it's like a it's like a old friend you know and, and it could take you back to a place you you remember like it was yesterday it'll take back uh-huh. to a place where you were a kid sitting talking explaining something to your grandmother or your great grandmother you know cuz you hear a certain song that she like you know and and it's like you just stop everything and, and you hear that your grandmother's voice and you you know you it'll make you emotional or something like that you know yeah. it, it's not it's not it, it's got nothing to do with gold records <laughs> yeah but but is it is it also a result of uh, growing up in a religious family joe well I grew up in in a somewhat religious family but my family wasn't I'll give you an idea. Uh my father moved 
him and another reverend, a reverend named Reverend Stewart, moved to an all-white district when I was about four years old. Mm-hmm. We were the only two black couples there. Uh, so my father, for some stroke of genius, he figured that I should go to Catholic school. Okay. Now my all my other four five brothers had all the fun in the world going to going to regular school. They had recess, they had dances. You could see all the other pretty little girls with me. I had to go to Catholic school with the, with the little Catholic pants on and everything. And so my first day at school, um, needless to say, being the only blackbird on the fence full of canaries, um, I was I was um jumped on the first day of school, mm-hmm. hitting them off with a lunch pail. Things things were pretty well. But you, you fast forward, um uh I, I dealt with that tribulation and some of those guys ended up being my friends or whatever. Uh but um playing playing the I would leave Catholic Church, come home with my grandmothers and go to Baptist church on Sunday. So I tell everybody, you know, it would say, Oh Joe, are you real religious? I, I know just enough religious to know that I'm not for organized religion. I, I've had myself up to here with organized preachers and religion. I believe till the day I die, there's a higher power. Mm-hmm. We didn't bring ourselves here. We don't know what's going on. And the earth, the mother earth is our mother. I believe that. Uh, a lot of other Western hokey pokey, I don't believe. I'm sorry, I just don't believe it. You know, um, and the same can be said about a lot of other uh, uh, religions. I, I just, you know, anything that gives someone faith, I, I, I'm all for it. And, but, you know, let's just be real. Yeah. You know, I'm, you know, they're just men. They're just men. Yeah, true. Did you uh, did you study uh, music? Are you formally trained in music, um, Joe? Yeah. Yes, I'm trained. I went back to school and got a degree in music. And a degree in English. Mm-hmm. So, and then you you were saying you moved to San Francisco when you were a teenager. You said, "No, I moved to San Francisco when I was about three years old." <laughs> what What was that like growing up in San Francisco in the uh, in, in those days? Uh, I, I read somewhere like, that you you grew up. Are uh, you you lived down the road from uh, the dead, or uh, you know somewhere off hate? Well, well, um, it, the whole Fillmore district. The hate district was all African American. Mm-hmm. It was all African American, Jewish, Jewish, some Jewish, some Japanese, mainly, but mostly. It was like Harlem in the '30s. It was just huge, and, and so um, that's where I learned how to play. That's why I was around great musicians, and we could play five nights a week. And then mm-hmm. when when the young young kids start moving in from from Iowa and in Chicago and were growing their hair long and wanting to be themselves, they moved into our neighborhood. Okay, so we had to come to grips with, are we gonna be friends with these guys and girls? Or, you know, or, or is it gonna be some tension? Well, it was both, you know? Uh, so th- that's where I grew up. And then when I left home at 16, I moved to um, Waller and Ashbury Street. And if, if you just walk down the corner, there's Ashbury. You walked up the hill. That was the Grateful Dead house, and that's where they they played all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And and you you yeah you jammed with the Grateful Dead uh, at some point. 
Yes, I, I jam with Bobby. I jam with musicians, yeah. What What is that like? I read that you played with Jimi Hendrix as well. Well, you know, when you're just jamming with somebody, you know, you're just having fun. Nobody's, you know, mm -hmm. trying to find a song that everybody can play together. And, you know, usually everybody's feeling pretty good, you know. So it, it, it's, it was really, you know, it's nothing that you think that's going to be anything special. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. Must have been quite a time though in San Francisco back in those days. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. Anyway, Joe, uh, what do you have coming up, Joe? You have you're going to do a tour now. Do you have a bunch of shows lined up? Yes. I, um. And if you'd like to know all of them by heart, you can go on to JoeLewisWalker.com. Mm -hmm. Or you can go on my Facebook page, Joe Lewis Walker. Um. Yes, we we start on the twelfth of this month of november actually uh and and uh near near pittsburgh and then we go to cleveland and then we go to um um des moines iowa and then minneapolis minnesota prince's hometown and then we go to chicago and then do and then some more dates in michigan and then we head back home and playing uh you know around uh northeast nice. and so we'll be um promoting this new record electric electric so it's out november uh 12th right yeah, but you can get it on different search engines now, and uh, you can all the singles out now. Werewolves of London with our special guest yeah, Wally Watell. Yeah, great. Anyway, Joe, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure and honor to meet you. Well, thank you, Vic. That's it for this week's episode of Tales from the Road. Tales from the Road is brought to you by the Concert Photographer and Moving Pictures Media. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. If you like what you heard. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify or Google Play. Thank you for listening.